All right, so we're going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. We're in week five of our Moving Towards Maturity series. Uh, I've really enjoyed kind of looking at this concept of, of movement and growth and using the idea of movement to kind of help us look at these ideas and seeing them and these habits and kind of things that we need to work on to not just uh, to be where we are spiritually, but to be growing and becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, we've been looking at our verse for the series has really been in Hebrews 6, 1a. We've, we'll look at it every week just so that it kind of is pounded into you and so that you know. But, but it says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. God wants us to grow. One of the things that I pray for you about every single day is that you will be growing in your relationship with Jesus. That I, I, it's something that I pray for myself, I pray for my family, I pray for you. It's something that is so vital to our relationship with the Lord to continue to move and continue to grow and continue to experience Him and know Him more and more every day. And I've said this to people, I've said it in my own life, it's not about sometimes taking those huge steps. It's great when we have those moments where God is doing something so powerful in our lives that it feels like in our spiritual journey we kind of do one of these. But even the little ones, even the half inches that we are taking in our journey matter. And they're important because I've always said sometimes you have to take the little steps before you can take the big steps. And don't let the little steps that God is moving you towards, you know, be a discouragement to you. Don't let it be, you know, oh, I really want to be taking these larger steps. Listen, it's all about the movement towards Jesus. And sometimes in our lives we'll have seasons where we take some large steps and sometimes we'll take some small steps. But what matters is we're moving towards him. We're becoming more and more like him. And over this series, as we looked at kind of some different ideas and things to kind of help us in that, I pray that, that you've kind of taken these things and applied them and used them in your life to help you in those areas. But before we really get into the message and the kind of the meat of the message this morning, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we do thank you so much for this day and this time. Father, we pray that as we look at these things together, God, you would just give us a heart to understand, God, a mind to understand what your Holy Spirit is saying to us. Because, God, you are desperately wanting us to grow. You desperately want us to be more like your son. And, God, I pray that that would also be our heart's cry, that we would desperately want to move towards maturity, move more towards being like you in every aspect of our life. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I got to tell you something. I, I, I did something, real, I actually did it last week, but I also did it yesterday. I did something yesterday that I honestly never thought I would ever do. I, I just, just, just never thought, I had nothing against this, uh, I, not at all, but I just never thought it would be something that I would do just because of certain situations and circumstances in my life, but I did it. I know it's strange, but I did it, and I'm here to kind of admit to you that I did this last week, or I actually did this last week, and I did it yesterday uh, afternoon. Are you ready? Maybe, maybe, Zach's over there laughing. He may know what I'm going to actually say. I watched a rugby game. Thank you. I watched a rug. I did it last week, um, and I, I have done. I did it yesterday. I watched a rugby game. Now, here's what's funny. I don't know what's going on in these rugby games. I know all I know is that I have learned this, and, and I just I'm just going to say this. Uh, there has got to be a something in an individual that plays rugby that that just doesn't seem to care much about walking in later life. Because, like, I, I mean, it, so this, if you don't know, okay, this, this was, and again, I didn't know this. I just, I'm learning as I go. Uh, this was the World Cup of rugby that was going on over the last two months. And it takes two months because it literally takes these guys a week to be able to walk again after they play one of these rugby games. And, and so I'm watching these games. And so it took like two months and I'm watching. Well, and so I have, you know, Leo is in, is in Ireland. And so he's a dear friend of mine. And so I was kind of watching for Ireland because, you know, he was a big fan. And obviously, you know, the Frontfords and they're, they're huge, obviously from South Africa. So they were big into this. So I'm kind of watching those teams actually played each other one time. And, and, and I just, I kind of was trying to learn and understand. So I, if you didn't know this, South Africa played New Zealand yesterday. 
in the World Cup final. And thankfully, for all of us, because there'd be a lot of tears this no, they'd be fine. South Africa won. And so it was very exciting. And so I'm watching this. I have no idea. Easton's kind of watching it with me a little bit. He goes, Dad, what about this? Or how did this? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Penalty. What does that mean? I don't know, you know. But here's what I've learned, okay? I have learned that because of certain individuals in my life, and this obviously started with the Evans and Audra playing rugby, and so I would go and, uh, you know, Em has come with me a couple times in Easton. We will go and watch her play rugby. And, and then, obviously, we've had some very serious, also, rugby family come into the church. And so they, with the South Africa thing, and they've been trying to teach me and all this sort of thing. All I'm trying to say is this. I have had an experience over the last several years of my life where I have been influenced by rugby-loving families. And here's the thing. I still don't understand much. I still mess it up. You know, like, I'll talk to Hannah, you know, and I'll be like, oh, they got a touchdown. She goes, a try. I said, no, 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 they have to touch the ball down. It, it, why not call it a touchdown? No, it's called a try. I don't know. But here's what I've learned. I have been influenced by them to now where I can actually sit down and for two hours watch a rugby game that I literally have no idea what's happening. All I know is like they try to kick it through the goal and touch ball down and they run into each other and it, that's it. But I've been influenced. And here's what I've learned. I actually cared about what happened yesterday. Now here's the deal. I didn't care if South Africa won because I'm from South Africa. I didn't care because I'm a huge rugby person. I cared because there were people that I loved that cared. I was influenced. I learned about rugby in a very small way because I had someone that I loved that played it and a family that loved her that would help me and try to help me to understand more and more and more. This morning, we're going to talk about influence. We're going to talk about how, as a Christian, you have been called to be an influencer in the life and in the people that you experience. And here's the deal, and, and maybe we'll talk about this in a moment. I'm not, or we will. I'm not talking about a personal platform. I'm not talking about a personal agenda. I'm talking about as a follower of Christ, being an individual that basically says, listen, I have been influenced by Jesus. I have been influenced by others that love him. And I desire to be an influence on those around me. Listen, and I'm going to go back to this rugby idea a lot throughout this message, just so you know. Their love for rugby has changed me. Not that, they're, not that they're, their love for their country in a lot of ways and their desire for their country to win has changed me. Not because I completely understand everything. Not because I'm a rugby fan now. I wouldn't consider myself a rugby fan. I still don't know what's going on half the time. But their influence, because they loved it so much, challenged me to understand it more, learn about it more, and actually watch something that quite honestly two, three years ago, I would have zero interest in. If you had said, Aaron, tell me about rugby, I literally would have said this. I think you can go and get a shirt like that at J. Crew. That was it. But their desire, their love, actually has affected my life. And here's the deal. As a Christian, it should be the same. Listen, it's in your notes. As a follower of Jesus, you need to get this. You are responsible for developing your influence because he has given us the ability to impact and affect someone else's desires, development, character, and behavior. God wants you to develop your influence so that you can in turn influence others for him. And again, not an agenda, not a political party, not any of those things, but about him to have a relationship with him look at first corinthians 11 1 it's real simple it says as paul writes this to the church in corinth he says follow my example as i follow the example of christ 
Now here's the deal. Paul could have said, follow my gospel, follow my understanding of God's word, follow the way I see things, follow how I want you to live, or all these sort of things. But Paul simply says, listen, I want you to follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. As I learn more and more about who he is, and as I try to imitate, as other translations say, him and his life, I ask that you would do the same in me, that you would look and you would allow the way I'm living as I live as Christ to influence you and change how you see situations and circumstances. Part of our growth is understanding that, you know what, as Christ influences us, it should change the way we live and how we understand situations and circumstances. But also, as he's changing us, he is wanting to place people in our hearts and in our lives that we can also influence them to make them more like Jesus. Not more like a denomination, not more like a pastor or a certain person, not a, a, any of those things of that nature, but more like Jesus. The influence that God has given you is given to you so that you can help make better people, excuse me, make people more like Jesus. And sometimes we mess that up. We see influence is basically a way to get them into a certain camp or a certain understanding of scripture or whatever it might be, when really we are called to be a people that point other people to Jesus. So important that we understand that. So as we are growing, as we are maturing, we need to be looking at developing in our lives through the help of the Holy Spirit that influence that we have so that we can help people see that. This morning we're going to look at three vital moves that are necessary if we're going to develop our influence. We're going to look at three different ideas and three different concepts. And here's the deal. We're actually going to use 2 Timothy, basically the first and a little bit into the second chapter of 2 Timothy to help us to see that. But before we get into this, I want to kind of give you a little background of 2nd, well actually 1st, 2nd Timothy, 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy and Titus so that you understand a little bit of the context of what these, what's happening during these, these letters that Paul writes. So in this understanding, we'll understand a little bit deeper why Paul's writing, what he's writing, and all those sort of things, especially this morning. So when you look at these letters, again, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, these are typically called the pastoral epistles or the pastoral letters. The reason why is because Timothy and Titus were both pastors at the time. At the, at the time that these were written, when Paul wrote these to Timothy and Titus, Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus at this time, and Titus was pastoring in Crete. And, and they had been individuals that Paul had spent a lot of time with and really poured his life and his influence into. And, and the order that we believe they were written is we believe that 1 Timothy was written first, and then Titus was written, and then 2 Timothy was written uh, third. So when 2 Timothy was written, things were a little bit different for Paul. Paul, at this particular time, when he writes 2 Timothy, we believe is in prison. And he's not in prison like he was when we talked about the, the other, some of the other letters he wrote, where he was kind of under house arrest. Paul, at this point, is in prison. Think about what you think of when you think of prison, and that's kind of the situation. He's basically in a hole in the ground. And so he is not in a good situation. And so he is writing this letter to 2 Timothy. And here's the other thing, when you kind of look at the style and the themes of 2 Timothy, Paul really has understood at this particular point that Paul doesn't have a lot of time left. Paul, as he's writing this letter, is really kind of writing it in a way that's basically saying, listen, you, time is short. And so Paul, as he's writing this, it's a little different than 1 Timothy in some ways because Paul is basically like, you know what? I, I could be taken out and killed tomorrow. And so he's writing in a very kind of, not a harsh way, but a very stern, just like this is the situation and really kind of laying it all out for Timothy and really kind of wanting this to almost be possibly his very last letter to him. And in fact, some theologians believe this is Paul's very last letter before he goes home to be with Jesus, before he's killed. So I wanted you to kind of know a little bit of that background because we are going to be in 2 Timothy this morning quite a bit. So now let's go into these three vital moves that are necessary. Move number one, we need to recognize the influence we have received. We need to recognize the influence that we have received. And I would say this before we really get into the verse, both the influence that has been positive and Christ-like, but also the influence that has been negative and not Christ-like. 
Because sometimes what we have found, what you can find is we, if we miss uh, realizing the influence we've received, we can miss some of the things that God is going to try to do in our lives, both as far as helping us become more like Jesus, but also some of the healing that God wants to do in our lives. But we have to realize first and recognize the influence that we've received. If you have your Bibles, again, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. It'll also be up on the screen. 2 Timothy 1, starting with verse number 3, and we'll go to verse number 7. It says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and of timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline self-discipline i love those verses as paul begins to kind of share these things now can you imagine being timothy we think timothy at this time was around 30 years old he's a younger pastor there were issues going on in ephesus some were great some were not so great and he's getting this letter from this person who's really poured his heart and his life into him. And he's saying, man, I've seen your genuine faith. I've seen those things. And he's reminding Timothy of all the influences that he's had, but that influence that actually changed him. Timothy is really reminded he's been influenced by a several different people in the scripture that we just read. Number one, he's been influenced by his family. Paul specifically mentions his grandmother and his mother. And says, man, these women in your life were influences. Their faith was passed down almost to you. Not passed down as in he didn't do anything, but their example and their influence changed him. One of the greatest ways that you can be an influence is obvious. It's your family. It's those people that live in your home. Your wife, your children. The people that you celebrate, or that celebrate Thanksgiving with and Christmas with. Those individuals, God has placed you in that place. Listen, your family and, and the people that are in your family, that is not an accident. That's not an oops. That's not a, like God was just saying, well, let's just figure this out. Let's put everybody in a bucket and throw them up in the air and see how the families end up. God placed you there to be an influence in them, in their hearts and in their lives. And you go, well, all my family knows Jesus. That's great. That's awesome. How can you spur them on to greater maturity and growth? How can they spur you on for those things? You can be an influence. And here's the deal. And I've said this many, many times before. But parents, don't, be, don't miss the fact that your kids can influence you. Their faith. And their childlike understanding sometimes of Scripture and an understanding of God and who Jesus is. Man, I know in my life it's been an influence on me. I've gone, man, I need to stop being so negative. I need to stop being so maybe so logical and understand that God's got this. Why? Because my son has looked at me and basically said, God's got this. So he's even influenced me. But he starts there. He says, you've been influenced by your family. The next, he's been influenced by Paul. Paul has been a massive influence on his life. He says, remember these spiritual gifts. Fan them into flames. These things that I, when I laid my hands on you. Let me help you see something real quick about influence, okay? We start here, we see influence in Timothy's life starting with his family. That's a close-knit, obviously, hopefully, relationship. And then Paul talks about this idea that I have placed my hands on you. Listen, if you want to be an influence in people's lives... One thing you need to understand, you need to get close enough to them that you can physically lay your hands on them. That's important. See, some of us want to be an influence, but we don't want to get close enough to people to actually be the influence. Because to be the influence and to get that close is a place of vulnerability in your own life. Because they could hurt me. They could say something about me. They could reject my influence. Paul never let that stop him. And listen, Paul dealt with rejection a ton to the point where they're throwing rocks at his head 
And he's having to escape out of windows and cities, out of baskets, because he's been rejected so much. But it never let it never kept him from saying, you know what, I'm going to be an influence here. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to get close to people. So many of us, we want to be an influence, but we're afraid to get close. And it's interesting that even here in verse 7, we see Paul saying, listen, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Don't let that keep you from getting close. It didn't for Paul, and it changed really Timothy's life, which changed really the, the history of the world because of some of these letters that we have. But the third thing that Timothy's reminded of, and we need to rem remember this too, he allowed that influence to change him. Okay? Like, listen, like, like you can say, well, I, 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 I want to be an influence, and that's great. That's great. But at the same time, if you aren't allowing others to influence you, it will hinder your influence to other people. I've said this before, and you need to get this, okay? And this is kind of important. When we look at our lives, and especially when it comes to influence, we need to have some people in our lives. We need to have someone that is spiritually mature over us, someone that we can look to, that can show us, we can imitate kind of as, we, as they imitate Christ. We need people that are roughly at the same spiritual level that we are. So again, that we can be there for each other. We're kind of understanding each other and kind of what's going on. And we need someone who's spiritually somewhat not as mature as us. You need those three people in your life. If you can't identify those three people in your life, you need to figure that out with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because you need somebody to help follow, that you can, somebody there, and then someone that you can influence to grow up as well. It's so important, but in that idea, you have to be willing to let the influence of the person that's spiritually above you influence you. Because here's what I found. We have no problem being the influence. We have sometimes a problem humbling ourselves to let someone be the influence on us. To really be the influence that God wants you and me to be we need all three people in our lives because what it does is it is God's way of changing not only the individual above us at our level and below us, but all of them, all of them at the same time. We need to do that. But here's the thing too. As Timothy is being reminded of these things, he's, he's going, man, you know, well, he's got this family and he's got these people and, and all these sort of things. And I know typically what happens in a moment where you're reading about this idea of a kind of a spiritual heritage and a spiritual legacy that people sit there and they go, well, I don't have that. I, I, don't, I don't have a spiritual legacy. I, like, I, I can't look back. Like maybe, maybe you're the very first person in your family who have accepted Jesus. Maybe you're the very first to, to say, you know what, I believe that this is, this is true. I believe this is what God has is, is, is done in our hearts and our lives. And, and that's hard when you read verses like this or they're read to you, it's hard. Or maybe others of us, maybe we have a great spiritual heritage. Maybe we can look back and go, well, my, my mom and dad served Jesus and loved him. And my grandparents loved him and served him. And, and others loved him and served him. Well, you know, you can go back generations and basically celebrate those things. And here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would kind of tell all of us. If you have a legacy of faith, please keep it going. Don't stop. If not... Be the individual that starts the legacy. So whether or not you have a legacy from, from people years and years and years ago, if you do, awesome. Keep it going. Don't, let, don't you be the chain breaker, if that makes sense. And if you are the start of the legacy, then you start it and you start it well. You say, you know what? I may not have had the, you know, grandma or grandpa, but you know what? It's okay. Because I'm going to start it so that my grandkids and their grandkids can have the legacy that I didn't have. And they can celebrate it. And so that they can one day say, well, you know what? Great, great grandpa so-and-so or great, great grandma so-and-so. They accepted Jesus and they changed the lives and, and influenced their kids. And then their kids influenced their kids. And their influence brought me to a knowledge and an understanding of Jesus. So no matter if your legacy starts today with you or it's gone back generations, you can be a part of what God is doing and be that influence. Number two, 
We need to guard the influence we have been entrusted with. We need to guard it. We need to guard it. Look at 2 Timothy 1, starting with verse number 13 and 14. It says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you have learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Now, when you really look at the context of what Paul is talking about here, he is talking about the context of teaching and the context of understanding what Scripture says, and that's very true. But when we understand that and we're able to use that, then we can actually use those understandings to influence others, and we should guard that truth. I would say that in today's world, we have kind of failed as a church, capital C, in guarding and, and basically the, in trusting the truth that has been given to us and in letting that be something that we influence others with. We've kind of taken truth and we've kind of allowed the world's idea of truth to kind of seep into our churches and into our teaching and into our doctrine a little bit. And we've kind of said, well, you know, I don't know about this or I don't feel good about this or I just don't want to talk about this. And I will say that I believe because of that, our influence has gotten a lot less. Because here's what I know about influence. It's really hard to be a wishy-washy influencer. It is. Some of you know this. I love Charlie Brown, love peanuts. And what is one thing they always call Charlie Brown? Wishy-washy. Charlie Brown's wishy-washy. Why? It's because Charlie Brown kind of goes into situations, kind of tries to take the temperature of the room, and basically tries to make everybody like him. And one thing I know about Charlie Brown, he's not an influencer. Now Lucy, she's an influencer. She may not always influence well, but she's an influencer. And I'm not saying that we need to be rude like Lucy or mean like Lucy. But I am saying that we need to be a people that guard the influence that God has given us. It is so vital to our lives and to our families and to our world. So with that in mind, how do we guard the influence we've been entrusted with? How do we guard it? How do we do this? What, what do we do? First thing, we guard it by investing it in others. When we invest our influence in others and invest the truth in others, what begins to happen when we do that in a way that is basically guarded, and we're going to get to this one in a second, guarded by the Holy Spirit, we're going to see fruit that comes out of that. We're going to see multiplication that begins to take place in our hearts and in our lives. And so one of the things that we have to do is not just take our influence and hold on to it, but we need to be a people that invest it into others. I'm always reminded of the story that Jesus tells about the story of the talents. We're not going to get into it deep today, but it's interesting to me that each individual is given a certain amount of talents. There's, there's one that's given five, one that I believe is given two, and one that's given one. And the master goes away and he comes back and he says, what have you done with the talents I've given you? In this context this morning, what have you done with the influence that I have given you? And it's interesting that basically the first person says, listen, I invested it and five became ten. I invested it and five became ten. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. The second one comes and again, I can't remember if it's two or three, forgive me. But he says, how many, you know, were you, know, you given? I was given, let's just say two. And he says, oh, that's great. What did you do? He says, I invested it and got four. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The last one, what did you do? I gave you one. What did you do? He said, I went and I buried it in the ground. It's interesting that Jesus looks in the story of the master, who obviously is Jesus. He says, you lazy and wicked servant. He said, you should have at least put it in the bank so I could get a little interest. And what's interesting about that story is when we invest it in people and in other things. Listen, God doesn't just do addition. God does multiplication. When you invest it in people, you're going to see that that thing is going to grow and it's going to grow faster than you ever thought possible. 
Why? Number two, we guard it by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I've always seen this, I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in others. Man, the Holy Spirit, I don't think the Holy Spirit knows math. But the Holy Spirit loves himself to multiplication. And it's interesting here that as, as Timothy is written by Paul, he says, listen, listen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to guard this. You're going to know this and understand this. You're going to allow this to, to make an influence in your life, in the life of others. So we can't discount the power of the Holy Spirit and rely on that and need that and desire that. God, as I am meaning to guard my influence, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help me in that, walk with me in that, reveal things to me in that, just as John's gospel writes that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do in our hearts and our lives. We need that and we desire that. The third one, we guard it by guarding who and what is influencing you. Listen, if you want to be an influence, you, you, uh, uh, like Jesus, you can't be influenced by others that are pulling you away from Jesus. Okay? Like, listen, I know that we're pretty much all adults here. Okay? There are things that we can look at on our televisions or on our screens or whatever. And I'm not talking about the, the real bad stuff. I'm just talking about the stuff that's not good. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I share, it's like, man, you got to be careful what you let into your eyes and in your ears and all those sort of things. And, and I've said that a lot. But I haven't gotten it from this angle quite yet. So many of you will come to me, I want to be a parent that influences my kids, or I want to be a grandparent that influences my grandkids, or I want to be a, an aunt or uncle that influences, or I want to influence my coworkers or things like this. Listen, if you really want to do that, I applaud you. But I also warn you, you better be aware of what you're putting in your eyes and your ears. Because it can influence you and affect your influence. And sometimes we have to say, you know what? Listen, is this really, really bad? Probably not. Is it profitable? Not at all. And we have to decide that our influence is greater than our desire to watch it or listen to it or let it affect us. And I know that's hard. And here's the deal. It's probably different slightly for everybody. But I would challenge you this morning to say, you know what? How I influence the people around me is greater than watching that on television. I'm just saying it. It's not easy. I know I fail in that area probably a lot. But it's something I have to work on too. And how we guard it is basically saying, I'm not going to let that influence me. I'm going to let other things influence me. And so we need to guard it. We need to take that influence and really kind of not allow things that would be distracting or to, to destroy our influence to be things that come into our lives. It's very important that we do that. Number three. Number three, the last one. We need to grow in our influence. We're going to actually go back now to a verse we already read in 2 Timothy 1. But look what Paul says here to, to Timothy. Again, we've read it before, but let's go back. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I, la when I laid my hands on you. A couple years ago, uh, Christmas time, I got a really cool stocking stuffer from my wife. I got, it, it's literally called a pocket billows. And it's one of those things where it shows you that, that you don't have to be brilliant to be an inventor, okay? Basically what it is, is it is basically an extendable tube that is bigger at one end and smaller at the other. It collapses down to about that big, so it fits in your pocket. And when you are ready to start a fire, you basically pull the thing out, you blow in one end, and you can kind of get it right down in the coals. And here's what I've learned about that thing. Like, you need to be careful with that. Because you blow hard enough and fast enough, man, some coals that are just kind of chilling there, just kind of waiting around, are going to burst out to a pretty rip-roaring fire really quick when it starts getting some oxygen. And it's interesting here that Paul kind of looks at this and says, man, you need to be growing in this. How does he want him to grow in his influence and his spiritual gifts? Which I hope that you've taken your test, by the way. 
And I know some of you have talked to me about your test and you've been like, I, I don't like that I got that one. Well, I'm sorry, you know. Remember, this is, that, that spiritual test wasn't gospel. It was just a tool, you know. But I hope that you've enjoyed that. I hope it opened your eyes a little bit to some, some of the gifts that maybe God has given you. But here's the deal. Now that you know your spiritual gifts, now that you know some areas where God maybe wants to use you, I would encourage you, just as Paul encouraged Timothy, start fanning that flame. Get yourself a pocket billows, if that makes sense, and get down in those coals, maybe those coals that have been kind of dormant for a while, and begin to fan them, begin to give them some oxygen and to breathe on them and allow them to burst out into flames again. You see, some of us, we go, oh, I just, I can't be used, or this gift isn't this or that or whatever, and I would look at you and say, you know what? I don't agree with you. What I think needs to happen is some flames need to be fanned again. Some flames need to be blown on again. And I love the fact that a lot of times when we look at the Holy Spirit in Scripture, it's described as a wind or a blowing or a breath. Some of us need to let the Holy Spirit breathe on our gifts again. Some of us need to allow Him to be the one that allows that change to kind of burst forth again. Here's the deal. There's a lot of people in our lives, if this makes sense, that are cold and indifferent to Jesus. And one of the things that God has called us to be is to be a warm fire of influence. Not to burn them, but to warm them to who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And one of the greatest ways, one of the best ways that we can fan into flames our influence is to serve other people. So important. Through our spiritual gifts, and through other areas of our lives. You go, how do, I, how do I really fan this in the flame? Start serving. Start loving. Start being there. Start being the person that basically says, you know what? I, I'm going to fan this into flames by, by finding people that I can serve and love on and be there for, pray for, minister to. And let that flan just begin to blow. Let that fire begin to build up. Because here's, here's the thing I've learned. Okay? And this is a perfect day for it. And I'm sorry that, that we have to talk about this when it's 25 degrees outside. But I think it'll make sense even more today than if I talked about it in July. When it's cold out and people are cold and you build a fire, you'll gather a crowd. Now, why? Why, why are they there? They're there for the fire. Your job, my job as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is to make some good fires so that people that are cold, that need Jesus, will warm themselves by them. How do we get a good fire? Holy Spirit, and we blow on that thing. We fan that thing. Because here's the deal. I can have a pocket billows, and I can have the coals, and if that pocket billows stays in my pocket, no fire. I have to be willing to pull it out and blow. Yes, the Holy Spirit's a part of that. And thank the Lord he is. But I have to be the person that's willing to blow on those coals to bring forth that fire. I have to be the one that gets that fan going out so that we see that taking place. The bottom line is, and sometimes we need to understand this because sometimes we forget it, our influence was never meant to be idle. Never. And here's what I've learned. And I think you will agree with me in this comment. The enemy is doing all he can to influence. In every way, shape, and form. And it's sad to me that as followers of Jesus, we've kind of allowed our influence to become a little bit idle. Well, someone else will do it. That's, that's, that's their job. That's, that's the pastor's job or that's the super spiritual Christian's job or, or whatever it might be when God says, no, no, I have called you to be an influence. I have equipped you to be an influence. I want you to be that individual that says, you know, hey, listen, listen, don't, don't follow me to, to this or that, but follow me to Jesus. 
Allow him to change you. And here's the deal. When our influence is being used and it's not idle, some incredible things happen. Look at 2 Timothy 2. Paul writes this to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Now look here at verse 2. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these things to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Do you see what's happened? What Paul is communicating here about his influence and about the teachings and the things that he's poured into Timothy's life. What he's saying is this. He's basically saying, listen, I want you to go and I want you to teach these things to others. And when they are taught, then they're going to go and they're going to teach them to others. You see how all of a sudden we're getting some multiplication really, really quickly? Paul's influence is still evident today. Say, Aaron, what do you mean? You have been influenced today by the writings of a man who lived 2,000 years ago. What? Yeah. It didn't stop with Timothy. It didn't stop with people that Timothy taught. It went on and on and on. Why is influence so important? Because you could literally be changing history when you are allowing yourself to be used by God to influence the people in your life. Paul didn't sit there and go, you know, someday in 2023, there's going to be this pastor who's going to share this message from this letter that I wrote to this person when Paul didn't even know it'd be in the canon of scripture at the time. He didn't sit there and think that. He just thought, if I can just, before I go see Jesus, if I can just be an encouragement to Timothy, if I can just tell him to keep going on, to not be afraid, but have a sound mind and all the things, the things that Timothy struggled with, if I can be an encouragement to him, then that'll be awesome. And then the Holy Spirit and God took that influence and influenced it again and again and again and again. And please do not sit there this morning and think and believe the lie of the enemy that I know you're being told right now saying, well, Aaron, that was Paul and I'm me. Don't listen to the lie. If God can use Paul, he can use you. Paul wasn't special. Paul was just a man who said, you know what? I'm going to influence for Jesus the people right in front of me. And that person influenced somebody else. And then those people influenced others. And it literally changed the world to where in Acts, I love this scripture, Paul and his friends and the disciples and the apostles and all of them were literally called people that changed, that turned the world upside down. That's the type of influence that you and I can have. That's the type of influence that God wants to develop in you. God wants us to move towards maturity by growing and developing our influence. It's what he has for you and for me. It's one of those habits and things that we can begin to allow in our growth journey with Jesus to be effective in changing the lives of others that God has placed to walk with us in that time of our journey. Here's the thing, and I maybe kind of talked about this a little bit before. I've had hundreds, maybe thousands of people that have influenced me. So many of you have been so unbelievably kind to me. And you've shared things like, you know, like, man, you've really helped me here. Or, man, when you said this, you know, it really was encouraging to me. Or when you shared this in the scriptures, you know, it really helped me see some things. Do you realize that when you are thanking me, what you really also need to be doing is thanking the hundreds and thousands of people that have been an influence in my life? Like, you, you, need, to, you need to, listen, we get to heaven one day. We're going to spend a lot of time thanking a lot of people. You're going to need to go find my youth pastor and go, man, thank you. If you want to thank me, okay, listen, if you want to thank me, you have to find him and say, thank you for being faithful as a youth pastor to Aaron. You're going to have to find my parents, my grandparents, and say, thank you. Thank you for being an example of what Jesus 
was to Aaron. You're going to find Sunday school teachers, my pastors, my teachers, my friends. Thank goodness we got eternity because it's going to take some time to thank some people. Why? Because they were an influence. So many of you have influenced me. You've made me a better pastor and a better follower of Jesus. Because you weren't afraid to help me grow. You know, there's kind of this stigma, and maybe it's just in my own life, and maybe it's just me, and maybe it is. I'm serious, where it's almost like influence, kind of, it's almost like a, I don't like that word, because our world's kind of hijacked it and kind of turned it into, I want to influence people so that I can abuse them and I can take advantage of them. And that's not at all what Paul is writing here, and that's not at all what I'm telling you to do. It's not about getting as many people on your team as possible. It's about getting as many people influenced to be on Jesus' team as possible. And that is something we should strive for. We should be a people that desire to influence people to be more like Jesus. But for some of us, our influence has kind of become idle. We've kind of become a people that we've relied maybe on other people to be an influencer or, or maybe just quite honestly, our lives have kind of been not worth being an influence. And you know what? If you're there, there's forgiveness. I know in my life I've needed it. And I know that God's offered it. And for others, maybe we just need to get moving again. Maybe we need to just start being a people that says, you know what? It's not about trying to be the influencer that influences maybe three or four generations down the road, but I know I can influence my kid. I know I can be an influence to my coworkers or, or my boss or my employees. I can be an influencer to my spouse. Start there. Allow those people that God has put specifically in your life to be people that you focus in on. And here's the deal. Here's the thing. You do it by being like Jesus. Because here's what I found. People don't need to follow an Aaron. They need to follow a Jesus. And we need to be a people that say, you know what? Let's follow him. And it's not about perfection, because Lord knows there's nobody that's going to be perfect in this. But it is about persistence and saying, you know what? Follow me as I follow Jesus. As Jesus influences me, let that influence influence you so that we can be more like him. Let's close our eyes. Let's just begin to pray. Father, we love you. And God, you're so good. And Jesus, I'm so thankful for influence. I'm so thankful that you started this thousands of years ago. You called a bunch of ragtag misfits to be people that lived with you for three years and experienced your influence. And it's interesting, Jesus, those guys messed up and messed up a ton. And they were influenced by you. And I'm sure, Father, there were moments where, at least maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but at least for me as I'm reading Scripture, I'm going, man, Jesus, were you sitting there going, man, am I just, just yelling at a, at a brick wall right now? Like, seriously? But yet, Jesus, you kept influencing. You kept challenging you kept saying, do this, live this way, see the world like this. And then they went out, 120, with the power of the Holy Spirit and changed the world. Jesus, we want to be the type of an influencer. 
maybe we won't go out and change the world, but we can influence one. We can be that influence to at least one. And so, Jesus, if our influence has become idle, if our influence, our life has become a life that, quite honestly, isn't really following you, God, I pray for forgiveness. God, we know that you will forgive because you love us and you promised us that you would forgive us. And so, God, we acknowledge that maybe our influence has kind of waned. And God, we ask that you would forgive us and change us. Make us more like you for many, many reasons, but specifically this morning so that we can go and be an influence to others. And God, as we guard that, as we invest that, God, I pray for multiplication in our lives. Not just addition, multiplication. Because God, I believe that's how you work when you have a people who says, you know what? I'm not here to influence you on how to vote. I'm not here to influence you on how to, how to handle your kids. I'm not, I, I, all, that, all that may be fine and dandy, but I'm here to influence you to become more like Jesus, to follow him, to imitate him as I do. Let us be that type of influence so that one day, if you should tarry, and we're sitting on our deathbed, we can look and we can see influence that multiplied into influence, that multiplied into influence, and that we don't even understand where that's branched out into. Help us as we grow, grow in us the influence to make an impact for your kingdom and your glory. We love you. You're so good. And we love you so much. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to come. Be in your presence. Now as we leave, place people in our hearts and our lives, Father, that we can influence for you. And help us with the help of the Holy Spirit to lead people to you. We love you and we thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So listen, real quick, remember a couple things. Number one, apple cider. Number two, there's a sign-up sheet for the Thanksgiving meal. I will assume that we'll have apple cider there. So if not, you know, we'll... We'll have good things to eat anyway, but please sign up for that as well. If you can help us with a turkey or a ham, that would also be awesome. Please let us know. Have a great week. Please be careful heading home. It is probably a little cold and slippery out there. I love you. We'll talk to you soon.